It's Zotime. Welcome to the Zotime show presented by hoopsandbrews.com. I will be your host for the night, Daniel Belts, and just want to say like thanks to everyone that's listened so far for this entire podcast. We're on episode number 19, I believe, and I can't believe I've been talking about the Lakers probably since January. So we started the whole idea of running a Lakers podcast for hoopsandbrews.com and it's just been it's been amazing and Ever since LeBron joined the Lakers, we've gotten more listeners, more followers. We've gotten a lot more engaged on Twitter, and it's just, it's insane the power of one of the greatest players of all time joining the greatest franchise in sports history, and just the, just how big of an impact that has had on basically everything on Twitter with whether it be my page, Hoops and Brews, or all the other amazing Laker accounts that are out there, it's just been it's been one hell of a ride since July 1st. We're on, what, July 16th right now, so it's been about 16 days, and the timeline has not been quiet at all. It's still, it's still going, and I don't think it'll ever die down because the Lakers seem to always be in the news, and so does LeBron. And when you put them together, it's like Diet Coke and Mentos. It's just this insane explosion and for all you Cav fans 76er fans rocket fans or all those other um team fans that are upset that lebron joined the lakers i just got a message for you and it's from plies it's i can't argue with you no you mad look at you you mad you big man. <laughs> I'm happy. Leave me alone. And if that totally sucked, I'm sorry about that, but legit, that's how I feel. LeBron's here. I do not care why he signed. I don't care if it had nothing to do with basketball. He signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. You guys can keep crying, keep saying, oh, well, it wasn't a basketball move. If you wanted to go to Philadelphia... If you wanted to win, you'd go to Philadelphia. Guess what? LeBron, Ben Simmons, and Embiid are not beating the Warriors this year. Oh, he could have went to the Rockets. I legit don't think the Rockets with LeBron, Chris Paul, and James Harden can beat the Warriors this year because they solved their biggest um, issue, and that's having a center that can do something. They got DeMarcus Cousins. And then going forward, having an aging CP3 and LeBron, I don't see that working. And if they got LeBron, they'd lose Clint Capello, who has been one of their better players in recent years in Houston. So, like, honestly, where was LeBron going to go this year that was going to beat the Warriors? So it might not have been a basketball decision anywhere he went. He just wanted the fuck out of Cleveland. He did not want to go stay in buttfuck Philadelphia. And he definitely did not want to go to Houston. So, yeah, he chose L.A. Who wouldn't choose L.A.? LeBron is one of the most marketable stars in the NBA, probably in one of, like, sports history. He knows how to market his brand. He is just very knowledgeable on how to push each and every button the way that it needs to be pushed for his brand to grow. And, I mean, he's in L.A. You see what Kobe's been able to do past basketball, winning Oscars and all this other shit. LeBron is going to set himself up living in L.A. for the next four years tremendously 
by joining the Los Angeles Lakers. So cool. He gets to enjoy the business aspects of playing for the Lakers. And guess what? We're also going to be playing playoff basketball. So it's not like he joined the fucking Orlando Magic. He joined the Lakers, who actually have a very talented young core. So I can sit here and say, well, maybe this is why, but I really do not care. He signed on the dotted line, took a picture with Rob Palenka and Rich Paul, and the dude is here. And I just think it's been nice for all the Laker fans to do a complete... I wouldn't say... I don't think we ever discredited what he's been able to do on the basketball court. I think we all realized he was a top five NBA player of all time. We just probably didn't appreciate his greatness in the way that it needed to be appreciated. And now that he's one of us, we welcome him with open arms. We don't really delete any of the things we've said about him because, I mean, they were just jokes about his final appearances, and that's about it. That's the only joke that he has on his career. Because besides that, the dude is going to pass every single player in points, rebounds, and assists, and he's going to have almost every statistical record that he can possibly get as long as he stays healthy. So there's nothing the man on the basketball court that hasn't done. It's just Laker fans took shots at LeBron because of the whole Kobe-LeBron uh, thing, but the majority are Lake, of Laker fans are actual Laker fans. You have the some that are just Kobe stands and that are idiotic that just hate whoever came after Kobe. Like, they didn't even like... Uh, what was it? They basically wanted the Lakers to suck forever after Kobe left just because they didn't want anyone to fill Kobe's shoes. And that just shows some insecurity on Kobe stands. And I'll admit, Kobe's my favorite basketball player to ever play. He is the reason why I'm a Lakers fan, but I'm a Lakers fan. Who You, you can throw anyone on this team. I'll enjoy them. For example, I hated Rajon Rondo. Us Laker fans, us actual real Laker fans should hate Rondo more than we ever hated LeBron because Rondo actually beat us in the finals and Rondo played for the Celtics. He is way more of an enemy than LeBron James, yet everyone loves the signing of Rondo. You have like 10% of random LA people hating LeBron. And it's just, it's wild that we have both Rondo and LeBron because, again... We made so many jokes about LeBron, and a lot of Laker fans just hated Rondo. Then we also got McGee, who we didn't really hate. We just made fun of. And I think everyone loves Lance, even though he's kind of a dick outside of basketball. But enough about the signings and whether or not other NBA fan bases should take shots at our signings. There's some more things that we need to talk about during this podcast today, and I mean, that's some important things coming up with Laker players and actual like Laker games. Lonzo gets his uh, left knee uh, surgery tomorrow. It's going to be some arthroscopic knee surgery. And I mean, that's a little worrisome because he is 20 years old and it seemed like his knee bugged him for the entire year. But the, I mean, what I understand is it was actually a like a contact knee injury and that's the knee injuries you want because you never want non-contact knee injuries because those are the scary ones those are like the ACLs and the MCLs we technically do not know what is wrong with Lonzo's knee there are reports out there that's a torn meniscus there were reports out there that he got um 
you know, platelets inserted into his knee for the like entire offseason. There are reports out there that he was working in the gym, getting a lot of shots up this summer. There are some reports that he was off of his legs and he was just working out. So we technically, we are basically not sure what has happened with Lonzo this summer. And we really do not know what's going to, like, had happened with his knee and what led to the Lakers finally saying, hey, it's time to get surgery. We don't know who leaked the information that Lonzo needed this. We don't, there are just a whole bunch of clouds hanging around the Lonzo knee. And I'm hoping for a very quick and speedy recovery for who I think is one of our best young pieces in Lonzo Ball. And because he needs to work on some things, hopefully before training camp, because uh, technically the length of the recovery time for this surgery is two months, but some people are back at four weeks. So you never know. The more work Lonzo can get in the gym this summer, the better, because yes, he has some things he needs to work on. But I know, I think after four weeks, you can do like standing shooting. So, I mean, there are ways for... Lonzo to work on some of the things he needs to work on without the use of his knee, like lifting and all that other stuff. It's just, hopefully this knee doesn't become an issue because we've seen it from previous Laker players like uh, Andrew Bynum, and there are even rumors that we traded D'Angelo because we were worried about his knee as well. So what Laker fans need to see tomorrow, because I believe the Lakers are going to give an update after the surgery, is that they fixed everything, there's gonna be no lingering issues. Give us a recovery date and stick to it because Laker fans have a tremendous amount of questions towards our Laker medical staff because it seemed all of our players were injured and we never knew for like what was actually going on, what was actually injured, how long they're gonna be out. It feels like injuries were misdiagnosed throughout the entire year. And that never really happened under Gary Vitti and like our other staff, but I don't know what's going on now. Just, I want clarity with Lonzo's knee because like, obviously this podcast is called Zotime. Lonzo is one of my favorite Laker players. And I think he's going to be this great player that a lot of people don't think he's going to be, but I just think he gets there. And I just want positive news tomorrow. And I think other Laker fans need that because it seems like everything else has gone right this summer. Uh, Kuzma's working out, Ingram's working out, Hart's working out. Our other Laker players that we drafted this year are working out. We got LeBron. Now we just need the satisfaction of knowing Lonzo's going to be all right. He'll be ready by camp. Everything's going to be great this season. Everyone's going to be healthy because that's what plagued us last season was injuries. So, man, I just need good news tomorrow. And it seems like in Lakerland, we have gotten just... Good news day after day after day after day because for those that have been paying along to Summer League, and this is how I clarify whether you're an actual like Lakers diehard or you only care about when the Lakers are doing well, is if you actually pay attention to Lakers Summer League games. Because for the most part, unless we actually had zero NBA players playing in Summer League, like if we were the... Who was it? Um, I think the Warriors played zero of their actual like young players besides Jordan Bell who I only think played in a couple games 
So they, the Warriors summer league team was just a whole bunch of like G leaguers out there. So like I understand if it's like that, but when a team has one to two prospects on their summer league team, I expect many Laker fans to watch those games. And after a disappointing show in the California Classic in Sacramento, the one that I attended, and of course they went 0-3 when I went to those games, in Vegas this summer, they're 5-0. and They have not lost a single game, and they have looked just very impressive. In total, the Lakers have won 11 straight games in Vegas during the summer league. Um, for those that remember last year's summer, which was... Probably one of the funnest summer league experiences, at least it looked like from the TV, was uh, last season with Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram played in the first game, uh, Josh Hart played last season, uh, Zubak played, I believe, and uh, who else was in it? David Nwaba was for a bit until he got released, and just last year's summer league team, there was just this buzz about them, and... I mean, Lonzo went on to win Summer League MVP. Kyle Kuzma won the championship game MVP. And he won six straight games to finish off Summer League last season. Now, this season, Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball have told basically Josh Hart, you know what you need to do, go get that MVP. And, I mean, the results are there. We're in the semifinal game tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is kind of funny because it's LeBron's old team versus LeBron's new team. And there's a lot of pessimists out there that say, you know what, who cares if the Lakers have won 11 straight Summer League games? Um, it, they mean nothing. They show nothing. But the last team to, uh, what's it called? The last team to do this, the last team to put on a winning streak of 11-plus games in Vegas is the Golden State Warriors, and guess what? They went on to win 16, I believe. And this was in 2012 through 2013. And a lot of those games were played with Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and Harrison Barnes. And I'm not saying we're going to be exactly like that. That turns into this dynasty. But if they won 16 straight with their three young pieces... I mean, just look how that turned out. If we can get anything close to that with Lonzo, Kuzma, and Hart last season, or Hart and Svee this season, I mean, there's reason to be like hopeful with what's been going on in the summer because hopefully it foreshadows championships to come in the future. And I'm just giving you guys an example of like previous examples because that's the only one I can think of because you hear a lot of people on uh, NBA TV or ESPN and the summer leagues are going on when they say, yeah, well, the summer league MVP doesn't really mean anything. Look at the winner of 2011. Look at the winner of like 2014. And they're just like people that are like outside of the NBA now, like not even playing. But as a team, no team has been able to do this since the Warriors in 2011 through 2013. So it's a good thing the Lakers are taking care of business with their actual like NBA prospects. Like it's very cool to see. It's just always cool to see Los Angeles Lakers and W's at the end of it. And, I mean, I've just been impressed from every single player on that team. And now, so, we're going to talk a little bit more about just how obnoxious my fellow Laker fans have been on Twitter and just how hilarious it is to see. Because 
As Drake said, if shit was at an 8, we like to make it 10, and that's basically Laker fans. Um, you see a lot of banter, you see a lot of shit talking from like fan bases to other fan bases, but whenever the Lakers have some sort of small success or we get one great player, we know how to kick it up a couple notches and just make shit wild and make shit entertaining. So I don't know if like the other people, like the other fan bases are just used to jokes um, 24-7. Like, go, like, just type in hashtag Lake Show. Go find our Twitter. Uh, just type in, like, Hart or Svee or LeBron or Lonzo or anyone else, and you'll just see wild takes everywhere. And for the most part, they're just laughs. Uh, like, 90% of them are probably jokes. 10% are probably serious. But for whatever reason, whenever we start to feel good about ourselves again, whenever the Lakers start to show some type of promise, whenever things are looking like they're going to get back to where they were with Kobe, with Shaq, with Magic, with everyone else, all 20 other, 29 other teams come to our Twitter and just attack us. And it's just nonstop. You guys didn't do this. You guys didn't do that. You guys didn't do this. I'm like, bro, what have you guys done? Like, these Sixer fans, oh. The 76er fans... God God bless them because you guys haven't won shit since like 83. And I know you guys just won the Super Bowl with the Eagles, so you guys might be on this incredible high. But do not come to Lakers Twitter saying, well, it wasn't because of basketball reasons. When you guys haven't won shit probably since your parents thought about having you as a kid. Because it's just, it's wild. It's like, I understand Warrior fans talking shit. You guys are like the... Pinnacle that everyone's trying to reach right now. You guys have won three and four. If you're a Cleveland fan, I understand. You had LeBron. You lost him. You guys won it in 2016. I understand maybe some Spurs fans because you guys are like a model franchise for consistency, yet like you guys really haven't... like. I don't know. Basically, the Spurs have won as much as we have, so it's kind of weird that you guys say, well, the Lakers haven't made the playoffs, but... You guys have, and you have what to show for it. We have the same amount of titles, titles since Duncan and Kobe arrived. So I don't get it. But for all you other fucking, re fucking idiots out there, like, it's just funny. And you know when the Lakers are back. Like, you know when the Lakers are going to be good. When the hate is back. When you have all these other verified dudes out there just taking unnecessary shots 24-7. I think you guys are more obsessed with what happens in Los Angeles than Laker fans are. We care. We're happy. You guys just like to be pessimists and just hate for absolutely no damn reason. And it is funny. Because what I've learned to do is I don't get mad anymore. I don't care. I just get petty and say dumb shit back. And for the most part, again, they're all jokes. That's what Twitter is. For the people that take it seriously, I'm sorry. For the people that just go on to other people's twitter and just attack 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 without taking it lighthearted. just it's weird like we're on twitter to make jokes support our teams when the games are playing support our players when they get some unnecessary shade thrown on them but don't take it too seriously learn to roll with the jokes and make some as well and that's my advice for all you laker fans out there that listen to this podcast just be petty it's a lot funnier to be petty than it is to just mouth off dumb shit because if you guys have listened to uh, 
side A for Scorpion, which I've been referencing a lot through this podcast and probably on my Twitter page as well, at Zotime Podcast, is Drake was very petty throughout his entire side A. And I just feel like us Laker fans should be petty for the rest of 28, for the entirety of LeBron's career in LA. Just be petty. Like, hey, we got LeBron. We basically, all the Lakers franchise had to do was not fuck up. All we had to do was get rid of one of Dang or Mozgov, show that our young players can actually play basketball, and LeBron was coming. That's all we had to do. We didn't need to give him this elaborate plan. We didn't need to do any of this else that all the other poverty franchises out there would have had to do. We said, we're LA, we're the Lakers. We have cap space, and we have young talent. Do you want to sign? And he's like, yep, I'll go home. Because he has the house in L.A. and his kids are going to play basketball in L.A. So it's just, that's all we had to do. So just be petty. Embrace it. Just say, okay, who cares? All right, enough about that. I'm going to talk about a bit of what the current roster is. We're still at 14 roster spots. We have one uh, spot open. And, I mean, there's the elephant in the room, which is... Luol Deng. Like, what is going to happen with Luol Deng? Are we going to keep him for another year at $18 million and take up a roster spot? Or are we going to trade him to a different franchise hoping a salary dump on them? Um, let's see. The only team out there right now with uh, salary is the Sacramento Kings, who, which my brother happens to be a fan of, and he and I have talked about what he's willing to take for Dang in the salary dump and what I'm willing to give up. And basically, it's Dang, a first-rounder, and a couple seconds. The reasoning why the Lakers want to do this is we want to free up cap space for next season. And maybe even free up cap space for a blockbuster trade to bring in Kawhi or someone else. And the only way we can do that is if we get Dang's $18 million off the team. Reasons why Sacramento needs to do it. Uh, they still need to, I believe, get to the minimum salary cap that the NBA has. They also get more assets for the future. And I mean, they get a veteran small forward who can teach their young kids something. And probably, I think Luol Dang would get more minutes in Sacramento than he would in L.A., because the Sacramento Kings are kind of thin at the small forward position, which I believe it's, what, Garrett Temple, maybe Amon Shumpert. So, like, is dang worse than those guys? I don't know. Just plug him in and see what he can do. And uh, it's just, Luol Deng is a very interesting player because he's been a great teammate from what it seems like to all the Lakers players. He's not complaining about his lack of role. He's staying in game-ready shape, and he's just been the ultimate professional, and like he just seems to be a dope human being. Like There's nothing negative you can say about Luol Deng. Of course, fans want him to just like kind of retire. Like Hell no, you cannot force me to retire if I'm making $18 million a year. Like, there is no thing in the world you can do to say, hey, you should give up $36 million the next two seasons so you can just quit and have a happier life, maybe play somewhere else. Nah, bro, I'll 
not go to games. I'll just practice, stay in game shape, and I'll make my money. And when it's over, it's over. But I'm going to get my money, and I'm going to do it without a complaint. And that's what Luol Deng is doing. So Laker fans can't fault him for securing the bag and just staying with the bag. Uh, Jimmy and Mitch gave him this contract. It's on them. So us Laker fans shouldn't be that upset with what's going on. And I don't think I've come with an... I don't think I've seen an encounter where people blame Dang, and I like that. I like that sometimes our French, or our fan base can be reasonable, can be intelligent, because sometimes, man, we're... We're idiots. Like, the people that um, tagged LeBron's mural, like, I... We're still not sure if they're actual Laker fans or the Clipper fans or they're just like spiteful idiots out there that just wanted to do something stupid. But if they are Laker fans, you are dumb. And for all the Laker fans, just still just talking shit about magic, about like hoping he dies. Like we just have a bunch of idiots out there. And that comes from having a large fan base. The bigger the fan base, the more of idiots because basically the ratio is going to stay the same. It's just when there's more of us, there's going to be more idiots. And that's what you have to take from it. So, like I said, our roster is still at 14. Whether we move Dang or not, it's still going to be at 14. Because I believe we've signed Svi, Bonga, and Mo already to contracts. We've already signed all the free agents. So we still have a roster spot open. Some options to explore are at the center position. And, I mean, there's one name that keeps getting thrown around. And I do not think we actually move on this guy, but this was going to be our number two pick in the 20, what draft was that? The 2015 draft, which is Jaleel Okafor, and this is who many Laker fans, like myself, like many others out there, like other scouts, for other teams as well, thought the Lakers were going to take Jaleel Okafor at number two. Now he's, I believe, out of the league, or like, just cut from an NBA team, He's working to get himself back into shape. I mean, he's putting out videos on Twitter, or his trainer is, to hopefully get some NBA team to like take a chance on him. But like, he's gotten no responses. He's gotten nothing. And yet the Lakers have this hole at center. So, of course, the idea of Jalil Okafor to the LA Lakers is going to come up. And for the most part, there's been... No connection at all, which is good because Joel, Jaleel Okafor cannot play defense. And in today's NBA, if you cannot play defense, you almost can't play. Like, I think in today's NBA, you can get away with not having um, the, off the offensive skill set needed to, like, play. Like, look at Andre Roberson. Look at, I mean, Tony Allen made a career out of not having an offense. You already said Roberson. Uh, Corey Brewer, if you can play defense, you will have a spot in the NBA. But if you do not have a, if you cannot play defense and your offense is not as good as advertised, you are not going to be in this league because you will get switched onto in the pick and roll and you will be taken advantage of and you will just be taken off the court immediately. So I just think he would be a horrible fit in LA and I'm just glad that there have been no conversations with the guy. I would just Keep him off the team. Then the next person, which is Carmelo Anthony. There's still that elephant in the room as well because the Thunder are reportedly going to wave and stretch him. And 
because I, it seems like they found no suitors to trade. So the next thing to do is wave and stretch him. And for the most part, he's been rumored to go to Houston, which is beautiful. Stay away from us unless you're willing to come off the bench because I, I am probably one of the very few Laker fans out there that would welcome Melo in LA off the bench because everyone else wants to keep him elsewhere. But, I mean, Melo can play the four, and but he does not solve our problem at five unless we put Braun at the five. Like, there's so many question marks to where why Melo would be any of use on our team. And that's why Laker fans are happy that he's rumored to go to Houston. He's rumored to go hang out with Chris Paul in Houston and probably lose to the Warriors or Lakers in the playoffs. So, I mean, just shout out Melo for getting the bag and making this a tough deal for the Thunder to deal with. Like, they're going to have to wave and stretch him, and that money's going to still be on the... A salary he's still going to be on the salary cap like regardless and i just i believe he even has a no trade clause so like he can make this very hard for the thunder to get rid of him and i mean just shout out mellow like you won the championship at syracuse you won like i think three gold medals so you hey you do you mellow no one's gonna stop you from doing you you're a hall of famer and you're a ski mask hall of famer and i mean what else are you going to do about it? Now, I was talking to the people at Hoops and Brews, the amazing people at Hoops and Brews, and this is uh, Pavi and TPJ, and I came up with this wild thing. I'm like, what if LeBron, eight years ago, decided, you know what? I'm taking my talents to L.A., like, instead of going to Miami. Because in 2010, Kobe was a still a better player than Dwayne Wade. So it just would have been, it would have been insane if LeBron would have came in 2010 instead of coming in 2018 because the NBA landscape would have been totally different if LeBron said, you know what, I'm taking my talents to LA. Because there was probably a way to keep Kobe, Powell, and LeBron, which is a better version of Wade, Braun, and Bosch, in my opinion at least, which... I think they probably beat the Mavericks in 2011. They obviously beat the Thunder in 2012. And they probably don't lose to that Spurs team because Kobe was that much of a better player than Dwayne Wade. And that's not a knock on Dwayne Wade, who is the third best shooting guard of all time. But, I mean, just thinking about Kobe and LeBron on the same team in 2010, 2011, 2012 was just absolutely insane because you think Lakers Twitter is bad now? Imagine if Kobe and LeBron ever would have teamed up. Like, that would have been a monumentous occasion. The Twitter probably would have broke. Like, that would have just been insane. There probably would have been riots in L.A. if this actually would have happened. And I'm kind of sad that it didn't because, like I said, LeBron coming to L.A., we're actually able to appreciate him a lot more. And I'm just glad that he's opened a lot of our blind eyes to, like, appreciating his greatness. And anyways, now I want to talk about the actually two most important players from our summer league team who have been just lighting up Las Vegas. Like, they've lit it up, and they've shut down every single game. Like, they just look fantastic. They have been our two best players on the team. They have been the two most consistent players on the team. They are probably both going to get NBA minutes next year. 
with one being a certainty, the other one being a hopeful slash G-leaguer. And that is Josh Hart and Zvi. Now, I don't want to butcher like, Zvi's last name, so like that's why I'm not saying it. But I think it's like Mikhailuk or Milk Chocolate or I don't know. I don't know what to call Zvi's last name because I don't know if I'm saying it correctly every single time. But it's just we call him Zvi. And like I said, Josh Hart. Those two players have been outstanding. They are the two reasons why we're 5-0, and and that's what you want when you watch Summer League. Like, if it was, let's say, um, Xavier Rathon Mays and Jonathan Williams as the reason why the Lakers were 5-0, and it would seem less impressive because those two guys aren't going to be getting NBA minutes next year. Although, I would love to see XRM get a camp invite because he's actually played pretty well and he's been a surprise like I was pleasantly surprised from his game because when I watched them play in Sacramento they looked horrible like the entire team outside of Svi, Josh Hart and Mo looked horrible now in Vegas maybe it's because they have all eyes on them and they know the pressure and they just need to perform but the players outside of our NBA prospects have been balling and that's been very cool to see but the reasons why we're winning these games are Svi and Josh Hart so a little bit of a backstory on Svi who I just figured this out um, a couple days ago is we all knew he was a four-year player at Kansas. So I thought he was a bit older because normally four-year guys that come into the league are like 22, like 23. Just look at Josh Hart last year. He was 22. He was like 22 turning 23 in his rookie year. Zvi just turned 21. He was playing in college at the age of 17. So he is still very somewhat of a very young guy he's basically like if a sophomore or a junior came out instead of staying all four years at college so while he is a four-year player he seems to have a lot of upside as well because he's only 21 and the four years at kansas obviously helped him with a lot of his just a lot of his basketball iq his skill set, and just his mindset on the court because he looks like he's been there before, and he has. He spent four years at a college powerhouse. I guess you can call Kansas a powerhouse. They really haven't won anything since, uh, what was it? Was it Mario Chalmers? I think that was the last time they won something when Mario Chalmers hit that shot over D-Rose, which was a long time ago. So I guess you can call Kansas kind of a powerhouse. They've had a couple... NBA prospects come into the league, but they really haven't, well, besides Joel Embiid, they really haven't done anything. Like They've had Wiggins, and you all know the story behind Wiggins. He's like a, Wiggins is like the biggest question mark in the league because he has talent, yet he's not worth that contract. Is he ever going to be the player they think he is? I don't know. And who else came out of Kansas? Ben McLemore, Thomas Robinson, God, that big white dude, Jeff Withy. So Kansas, I don't know, it's kind of weird calling him a basketball powerhouse, but um, he was coached under, I believe, the coach's Bill Self. So, I mean, Zvi definitely did develop a lot in college. And, I mean, looking at Zvi's stats right now through Summer League, he's played in five games in Vegas. He's averaging 15 points, 4.2 rebounds, and 2.4 assists while shooting 47% from the field and I believe like above 38% from three. So 
he's showing you a lot of things that you want to be shown from a young player that's going to get into the rotation. He's on a very cheap contract for the next three years. So I believe he's on a three-year deal for like 1.7 each year. And maybe even a team option for the third or fourth year. Um, he is just more, he is way more than just a shooter. Although every single shot he takes from three when he's open, even if he's not open, I think is going in. He has one of the purest releases I've seen in a Lakers jersey for a while. Uh, there was a question on the Lakers Twitter yesterday, which was since or before Zvi, who was the last Laker player that every time they shot a open three you thought was going in? And a lot of people said Sasha Vujicic. And there's a lot of Sasha Vujicic to Zvi because Sasha played hard. He played with this intensity. He, I don't know if you guys remember, but I believe he even like, did he take a swing at Drajic or was it an elbow? He just plays with like this intensity that Sasha played with as well. And that is the last player I thought every three was going in besides maybe Jody Meeks and maybe Kobe. But yeah, it was probably Sasha. And so outside of uh, his three-point shooting ability, he also has a very good uh, pull-up game. He's able to dribble the ball and then pull up from like 18 feet or behind the line. Like he... Uh, I think it was Mike Trudell that interviewed Svi and like asked him, hey, where was all this ball handling ability coming from? And I believe Svi used to play point guard in high school and then grew just a little bit and then he got stuck at the shooting guard position because he can shoot so well. So like there are other facets or other um, facets to Svi's game that makes him a very intriguing prospect. Um, add that into the fact that he actually plays solid defense, which I was not expecting because... I mean, the only time I saw Svi was in the NCAA tournaments, and he seemed to be getting killed on defense. I don't know if that was just the team defensive principles at Kansas that made it look like that, or I just watched, watched the wrong games. But Svi has been playing very well on defense. Like, the stats might not show it with only a 0.4 steals and 0.4 blocks per game, but he's staying in front of his defender. He's not getting beat. He's playing very good help defense. The thing I'm impressed about Svi the most is Besides his shooting, his ability to attack the glass and how freaking high that man can jump. There are some times where someone misses like a three and he has the lane to go get the rebound and he just out jumps people that I just, I didn't think Zvi had that type of leaping ability and I'm just amazed that our scouting department found another gym with Zvi. Like he is going to be at the very least in my opinion has he's going to have at least a six-year NBA career because he can shoot. He's going to have a longer career in my mind because he can do other things. And yes, some Laker fans are making jokes, calling him the next Clay Thompson. To me, I see Kyle Korver. Because Kyle Korver is a lot quicker than people give him credit for, or he was when he was younger. He played... Better defense than what a lot of people like to give him credit for. I know at the very end of his career, he can't play defense, but in the Atlanta years and the Philadelphia years, he was able to show that he can play some defense. And Corver was also a second-round draft pick like Svi. So I just see a lot of a lot more comparisons with um, Kyle Corver than I do Clay Thompson. Although if Svi was able to turn into Clay Thompson, that's just another steal that the Lakers have. And, again, 
Zvi can actually handle the ball and dish it. Like, he's averaging 2.4 assists. He's not just this chucker from three. He actually plays team basketball. That's why, if you watch the Laker games, a lot of our points come within the flow of the offense. It's not someone just trying to go ISO. It's actual sets, which Miles Simon is doing a beautiful job at running. Like, there's actually, like, threes coming off of screens, plays being ran, and it's just dope to see that our summer league team is probably running the sets. Hopefully our NBA, our Lakers are running this season. And what else was V? He hit a nasty Euro step yesterday against, who did we play? I don't know, it was whoever we played in the quarterfinal game. And I mean, it was, it was nasty. And he hit him with a spin move as well. Against a, it was against a Bruce Brown. It's v made Bruce Brown look foolish. Like it was just... It was very crazy to see. Like, I can't talk enough about how well Zvi has played, how much of the expectations he's passed. And I know it's Summer League, but still, these are other NBA prospects he's doing against. These are other G League veterans he's doing this against. So it's not like he's playing in some random league and putting up good stats. No, he's doing it in a very competitive Summer League team where tournament where there's 30 teams involved and he's playing against other good prospects and outplaying them like Zvi outplayed Bruce Brown who was selected over him yesterday and it's just cool to see that our Laker players seem to like play with a chip on their shoulders when they go against these other guys that might have been taken over him so enough about Zvi for right now let's talk about who I believe is going to be the MVP of the summer league which is Josh Barkley slash Josh Hart he has he has played some of the best summer league basketball I have ever seen like, this might even be more impressive than Kuzma and Lonzo's um, Summer League last year, but it's just because this team doesn't have as much talent as it did last year, yet the results still still stay the same. We're winning, and that's what Josh Hart is doing. He's leading our team in points. He's the third leading scorer in Summer League right now with 21.6 points per game. He's shooting an impressive 47% from the field. And I believe like 40% from three. I had all these uh, stats made and then they played last night and they all changed and I just forgot to update them. So I'm just giving like a rough estimate on his three-point shot. And he's also averaging 4.4 point or 4.4 rebounds and 2.6 assists per game. And he's also averaging 1.6 steals per game and 0.4 blocks. So he's doing a bit of everything as well as scoring tremendously. Like he is... Zvi is option 1B as to why we're doing the things we're doing. Josh Hart is 1A. They're basically the Kobe and Shaq of Summer League right now. They are dominating together, looking impressive as hell. And if you looked at their plus minus for when they're on the court and when they're off the court, it's absolutely insane. I believe each player has had a at least plus 20 from the field for being on the court in every single game in Vegas, which is absolutely insane because... When they're on the court, we dominate. When they're off the court, we give up the lead. So, I mean, yes, these players are very impressive. A couple of things regarding Josh Hart. Um, he seemed to play much more engaged in the quarterfinal game. Who was it? Oh, it was against the Pistons, yeah. So it was against the Pistons yesterday, and he seemed to play much more engaged defensively. And I think we all know a reason why, which was LeBron was there, but... He seemed to 
play very hard on defense, play the passing lanes very correctly. Um, he wasn't getting beat uh, off the um, backdoor cut, which Josh Hart does fall into. He does lose his man a bit when he's playing team defense. Yesterday, he did not. He was very engaged. Uh, Josh Hart has shown he's comfortable um, ball handling in the pick-and-roll situation and either pulling up or dishing, and that's something that we didn't see much from Josh Hart last year, and we're seeing a bit more of his talent in the Summer League. He's still attacking the glass very very often because he's still averaging 4.4 rebounds, and, I mean, he's losing a couple of those rebounds because they're going to V or they're going to... Uh, Jonathan Williams or Jeff Ayers. And in the beginning of the Vegas tournament, they were going to Mo Wagner. But he's still attacking the defensive glass at the same rate and the offensive glass. I believe he's shooting like above 80% from the free throw line, which is a positive. This Laker team is going to need all the help and get from the free throw line. And like I said, he's shooting the three comfortably. He's Every shot he takes is a good one to me. They're not all going to go in. I don't have that same feeling for when he shoots at SV, but he's shown he could come off screens and shoot. He's shown that he could uh, shoot catch and shoot threes, and he's shown that he can shoot off the dribble threes, which we didn't see much of last year. He, I believe it's he likes to shoot going to his left because of how he brings the ball up and releases it. So it's just nice to see him working on things that he's comfortable with. Like, the points that Hart and Zvi are coming are comfortable points. They're not forced shots, and they're not forced points. They're, they aren't stat padding like a lot of these other rookies or G League slash Summer League hopefuls are doing. They're coming within the flow of the offense, and they're resulting in wins. So, like, if we combined Hart and Zvi, they have a combined 37 points, 8 rebounds, and five assists. And for Summer League, for two players to do that, that's outstanding. Um, and, like, Josh Hart's been the vocal leader on this uh, on this team. He's just... He's done everything the coaches have asked. And Magic even said, a lot of the other dudes might have to, like, look out because Josh Hart is coming for a starting spot for the upcoming NBA season. And... I mean, by the way he's played in Summer League, by the way he finished the season last year, I mean, he has one hell of a case to start, and if it wasn't for re-signing KCP, I think that spot would have been his. The Lakers can get really weird with it and put out some weird rotations next year to where Josh Hart can still get starter minutes while coming off the bench. And, I mean, I don't just those two players have been by far the two best players on this Lakers Summer League team, and Josh Hart better win MVP because... He has our team in the semifinals. He's been the best player, I believe, on the floor every single game, except for maybe this last game because Svi maybe outplayed him because Svi looked to be way more aggressive in the game against the Pistons. Um, he was showcasing more of what he's able to do with his mid-range game, dribbling, setting up others, and stuff like that. But you can make the case Josh Hart has been the most impressive player on the court each and every single game that he's played. And... That is why he should win Summer League MVP. Then we're going to talk about... Uh, <laughs> or we'll talk about um, some of the other players on the Summer League team. I wish Mo was still playing because I think our team would have looked even better. He was playing with tremendous passion, tremendous hustle, playing well on defense, 
hitting the occasional three. His shooting numbers aren't that good for Summer League, but, I mean, I believe those will increase because, I mean, all the shots he took were good shots. The release looked good. The motion looked good. Um, Crusoe's played a lot better since Sacramento. He's seems to be like the floor general out there. He's assisting very well. Um, he hit that four-point shot against the Pistons yesterday, and LeBron got all happy. Uh, XRM's playing very well, like I said. G League or uh, training camp invite. Jonathan Williams and uh, Jeff Ayers, both pretty good bigs. I don't think they get invited to a training camp, but the thing that shocks me is how many times Jonathan Williams tries to shoot a three. I don't know if he's made one yet, but like they don't look like bad shots. It looks like he's comfortable taking it. But the last thing about the Vegas Summer League that I'm going to talk about is LeBron came yesterday, and it was a spectacle. The entire timeline was talking about it, and I think that's the only reason why uh, they actually put it on ESPN, because... Um, the game after it came on ESPN too, but I think ESPN knew LeBron was coming. This is going to happen. They put it on the main network, and I mean, it, Vegas went crazy. NBA Twitter went crazy. The whole timeline was absolutely nuts. The shorts he came out with, which were the Lakers shorts that cost $500. He seemed to be enjoying himself. There was a, um, there was a time when Josh Hart hit I believe it was a three, and then got a steal, and then a layup, and he was clapping like because he knows Josh Hart's going to actually be on the team next season. He even dapped up Josh Hart before the game. It's just cool to see LeBron meeting this talented young court or young core, and this just talented guy in Josh Hart. And then Brandon Ingram walked into the building, and the first person to greet him was LeBron James. They gave each other a hug, and it's kind of like the uh, what I see it on. I, th- I believe it was by Just Rye, he put, uh, it was the picture of them embracing each other, and it was LeBron telling Brandon Ingram, I'm going to make you my Pippin. And it's just, it's cool to see, like, this is actually real. LeBron is going to play with our young players, and it's going to be dope. Um, and yeah, it's just, all of this has become a lot more real in the past week, because LeBron signed... LeBron's in LA, LeBron went to Vegas, LeBron has met a couple of the young players that are on this team, he's been on the phone with Kuzma, Uh, there has been no news about LeBron and Lonzo, I probably think they'll hang out after the surgery that Lonzo gets tomorrow, and it's just, it's a very exciting time to be a Los Angeles Laker fan, and for all those Laker fans that left to either Golden State or wherever the hell D'Angelo Russell went, or if you just stopped caring... It's too late for all that lovey-dovey shit. Like, do not come back. Like, we do not need you guys back. We will accept all the LeBron stands that just want to follow his career because, hey, whatever, you do you. But if you actually left the Lakers and are trying to come back, just keep it moving and stay wherever you are. Like, the people that stayed, and I know it's only like a five-year, uh, like it was like a five-year drought from the playoffs and a five-year things, or five-year, uh, span where things just look really bad but us laker fans we're not used to that we're used to playing in the playoffs for uh every single season like i became a fan in 2000 from 2000 to like what 2004 we're in the playoffs and like oh five to 
2013 we were in the playoffs. So, like, I'm used to watching this Lakers season past April. I'm used to them holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the season with just a whole bunch of success. So, five years without the Lakers making the playoffs, and it's not like we were even close. We were... We were god-awful for the past four years. This last season, we got to 35 wins, and we looked a lot better, but we were still a below 500 team. That four-year span with Byron Scott, it was just a shit show. So, like, we've been kicked when we were down the past five years, but we are going to talk that shit now. We have the best player in the game. We're going to have cap space next season. Magic told LeBron, hey, it's basically a three-year plan. Because he has, I believe he has a player option that fourth year, so if he doesn't like what we're doing by year three, he can dip and go get the money elsewhere. But, like, the plan is cap space, young players improve, another star joins us, and then we'll take on the Warriors. That probably happens in year two and year three. It's probably not going to happen in year one unless we trade for Kawhi or another star this year. Like, there's a talk for... uh, the Lakers trading for Damian Lillard or trading for Kemba. But I just, I don't think, I think LeBron actually told Magic, hey, don't do that. I'm not trying to gut your team just to make me happy in year one when we probably wouldn't stand a chance against the Warriors regardless because they have five all-stars now basically and they're starting five for when DeMarcus Cousins comes back. He's saying, hey, Maybe he told Magic, hey, I'm fine playing one year where it's just me helping the young guys improve, uh, get them ready for the battles, for the upcoming battles next season, see how far I can take them this year. But next year is when you're going to be judged, when I need to see results, and yada, 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 which you never know. Might have happened, might not have happened. Just there's a possibility that that conversation may have been had. And again, next season... If we don't trade Luol Deng now, he becomes a lot easier to trade next season because he will be on a one-year expiring. So then we'll have that cap space. Regardless, the Lakers are making the playoffs this year. I don't want to hear, oh, well, the uh, LeBron can join every single team in the NBA. They'll make the playoffs, but since he joins the Lakers, they won't. That's what a lot of you guys out there are saying, but we're making the playoffs this year. And just, we're going to have fun with it. This is going to be a process in Laker Nation, and we're going to enjoy it, I believe. Um, Got a question from one of the followers on Twitter, and it's basically asking, why do Laker fans think LeBron can play defense still? And why do they think that he can play at the power forward slash center position? And to tell you the truth, I don't know. I don't know if he can do that. He hasn't shown that he can do that in a while. Because I believe... The last time I saw him actually being able to play defense against the big was when he played Pau Gasol, and that's when Pau Gasol was still a Laker, and LeBron showed that he can out-muscle Pau Gasol, kept him off his spots, and actually played really good defense against Pau, but like it's 2018. We don't know whether LeBron can do this or not. We were hoping, like we hope he can do this, because our best lineups on the floor next year are going to be when LeBron's at the five, uh, Ingram's at the four, or Kuzma's at the four, Ingram's at the three, Hart's at the two, Lonzo's at the one. So we're going to hope LeBron can play at the five, and there's really not that many skilled centers or big guys in the league anymore, so we might be able to get away with it, but 
In all honesty, we're just hoping because we don't have any other option right now at center. Maybe JaVale plays well. Maybe Zubak shows the improvement. And maybe Wagner shows he's more NBA-ready than a lot of us think he is. But at this point, we're just hoping. And maybe we make a trade later in the season to um, solve that issue to where we actually get a 5 to come here and do what LeBron needs at the 5. But right now, we're just hoping. Um, predictions for tonight. I believe the Lakers beat the Cavs. And I believe it's another 10-point-plus win. And I believe Josh Hart has another outstanding game as well as V. I think Caruso plays well. And I believe Nick King shoots well. And, yeah, just I think the Lakers win Summer League again for the second year. We're going to go back-to-back. And I believe Josh Hart is going to be the Summer League MVP. And he might even fuck around and become the champion MVP as well. Maybe Svi outplays him that game and gets champion MVP honors, which would be kind of cool like last year with Lonzo and Kuzma. And, I mean, I just want to thank everyone that's followed this podcast, that's listened, that's engaged with uh, me on Twitter in the past two weeks because it's been one hell of a ride since we started in January. And we're starting to see some more engagements in the past two weeks, and hopefully that continues to keep up for the rest of just as long as I cover the Lakers because it's just cool. Like the main reason why I want to do this is I like to talk shit. I'm petty. I know enough about the NBA game to talk about it. I enjoy watching Laker games. I only watch Laker games. That's why I don't really speak about other teams except for maybe this next segment. I don't know if I have enough time for it, but it's the Cavs and Lakers comparisons because I don't watch other teams until playoff time. And we've seen this Cav team in the playoffs the past four seasons go on this a long finals run. So all you people saying the Cavs have a much better roster than the Lakers, I'll admit, Kevin Love is the best player outside of LeBron on any of those rosters. But outside of that, I'm taking the Lakers at every single position besides Kevin Love. And does Kevin Love move the needle that much to where you would take the Cavs over the Lakers? I don't think so. Which is why it's hilarious that people think this, but I mean, I'm taking Lonzo over George Hill. I'm taking KCP or Josh Hart over J.R. Smith. I'm taking Brandon Ingram over whoever the hell is at the three spot, which is what, Jeff Green or Jetty Osmond? I mean, Brandon Ingram is miles ahead of Jetty Osmond. And then you can do what? You can take Love over Kuzma. Fine. And then it's what, Tristan Thompson versus JaVale? I mean, has Tristan Thompson ever showed anything outside of playing with LeBron? Like, I believe LeBron can make JaVale look just as good as Tristan Thompson because he did it with Mozgov, he did it with Birdman. So it's just, it's funny hearing all this stuff. Then, I mean, you can look at our bench. We have Rondo, who, I mean, Rondo's probably, Rondo's going to be better than Sexton, so... Again, I don't see these crazy things where the Cavs have a better roster than the Lakers. I think the Lakers have a way better roster, but that's probably because I'm a biased Laker fan. But again, outside of love, I don't see it. And anyways, until the next time we speak, uh, let's hope the Lakers repeat as champions. Um, follow along at Zotime Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me on there. You could engage with me on there. You can send me any questions you want answered on the next podcast. Follow Hoops and Brews as well. Uh, for all your NBA needs, follow, I think, HNB Sports Net for, or not HNB Sports Net, um, 
Hoops and Brews 2, T-O-O, for all of your King's Watch um, news. It's a steady page. It's going to follow LeBron as he is a member of the Lakers. And, yeah, until the next time we speak, go Lakers.